if you're watching the video format of this podcast, even if you can just tell an audio feature, you can tell that one of us is significantly cooler in person. And that's because I'm wearing Elite Sports gear, baby. Look at this. This is so soft. It's a no, part Jacob, of our original is, collection. Jacob is rocking the crew neck, squaring around sweatshirt. It looks great. Jacob, I talked to you beforehand. I am slacking. I need to jump on top of this. That sweatshirt looks incredible. It looks great on you. It's sick. Yeah. And if you're buying something for them, they a pro tip, they always they told me to buy a size bigger than you would normally get, you know, just to prevent shrinkage and some other stuff. Size bigger. Yeah, you know, get a size bigger. And you know what you also should do? You know what you also do? Use code square. Yeah, use code square at checkout. That's elitesports.com forward slash square. Use code square at checkout. And if you're curious about their other stuff, right? Like this is just their crew neck, but imagine this with any other stuff that they got with all their other elites too. You know, it's the same deal. So same products, just different stuff on them. Elitesports.com, use code square at checkout. For everybody who missed this news story, we're talking about World War II veterans. I'm a huge Band of Brothers fan. Uh, A World War II veteran. 106 years old, Alan Blaschke jumped out of an airplane with Governor Greg Abbott. To celebrate, you know, his 106th birthday, but he's also the record holder now for the like oldest person to jump out of a plane in tandem with somebody else. And that happened in freaking San Marcos. What are the odds? It all comes back to us, baby. That could have been a tragedy on two levels. First off, we would have had oh, a yeah, absolutely. great... First off, a, a great American would have died. And the other thing is that we would have lost a parachute with Greg Abbott. Like, those those are two terrible things that could have happened here. That ass. Yeah. No, and the governor actually was, like, making fun of himself. He said that his greatest fears were realized, that he would jump out of a plane and not be able to walk again. Uh, my, my biggest fear was realized, uh, and that is uh, I would land and I would not be able to walk away uh, from the landing <laughs> The governor, by the way, was hit by a tree in his early 20s and was paralyzed. He's been paralyzed for like 20 years. Made a shit ton of money on legal shit suing people, so good, good on him. Yeah. Um, and then made it illegal to do that. So yes, yeah. <laughs> he he pushed like the threshold in like a legal capacity. Like you cannot lo- no longer get like millions and millions of dollars for personal injuries and stuff like he that. He said anybody to do this would be a crook and an awful person. <laughs> I couldn't. I would never let anybody do that. Except for mm-hmm. me, he is the epitome of crabs in a barrel. He's the guy that gets up on the wall and then pulls the uh, the ladder from behind him. I do want to point out though that Jacob said I'm a big World War II vet. I love Bandit Brothers, which is the equivalent of me saying, I love the financial game. I'm a big succession fan. Like, is it, yeah, they the same thing? Absolutely dumb. Dumb as hell. I didn't know uh, that guy who plays Major Dick Winters was in Ballers either. So that was another, th- or Billions. Billions. That's I, billions. That's what I texted. You've been trying to get me to watch that show for literally years at this point. Yeah, it's a good show. Now, granted, there's highs and lows, like anything, uh, kind of like a plane, highs and lows. But I thought that this final season that they landed the plane. So. Yeah. And Governor Abbott just saying is another person who's going to be in San Marcos when Texas State hosts the presidential debate. And that's the same week. Well, the week after, I should say, that we play Arizona State. So just to let you into it, our world a little bit, that's what's going on. A lot of high caliber news in San Marcos these days. Yeah. Yeah. 
football game on Saturday, presidential debate on Monday. That's. Are you surprised that he's not running? Slash, like, I guess not like Abbott, not running, he, but he like just running endorsed for Trump actually in the valley of all places. It all comes back to squaring around, baby. I'm here today to officially proclaim my endorsement for Donald J. Trump to be president of the United States of America again. That seems like a bad idea. To endorse Trump in the Valley? Endorse Trump, period, in the Valley, period. Like well, those in, 20, are... in uh, 2020, right? Yeah, because we're in 2023. In 2020, the Valley flipped for the very first time from being like a huge Democratic stronghold to being like outright red. So, yeah, in McAllen's seat, Hidalgo County, that that was like the first time they've ever been flipped like that too, and their mayor is also Republican now too. So it's a you big Republican crazy, stronghold. I don't now. know if you knew this, but Jacob actually canvassed for Trump in McAllen. I did not. He, yes, he did. He, no, he I did here, not. He was <laughs> he is burning mail-in ballots. I don't know if you know that. I don't even I don't even vote in primary races because you can track that shit. I I refuse to do that. I think if you're a candidate who needs to earn my vote, you need to get on the fucking general ballot, man. Isn't that so funny? <laughs> I will. The one thing I will say about Abbott, even though I don't really follow the political stuff, I am very impressed that one man was able to unite both rural Republicans and Democrats on a subject. That takes a lot of talent because I live in rural Texas. I know rural Republicans. There is a very wide political spectrum between where the people where I live and the Democrats. To get them unite on school vouchers. Saying like, yeah, Greg Abbott. Well, eventually, kind of- he did it over the course of like six years, you know. And finally, they were like, you know what? We have to have six special sessions in a row. And he slowly but surely pushed the farmer and the professor <gasps> in the same room, both to hate this man. Yeah. So, and yeah. You know what? Another another group of Texans, rural Texans, and the Democrats. You you you'll agree with this too, Colton. Is that Greg Abbott was like, hey, everybody, we need Texas State to be better at football, <laughs> and they did it. Tired of winning the tailgate, but losing the games? We can't help that. But we can tell you what the hell is up with each team and what's going on across sunny San Marcos. Texas State fans, get on your feet. You're listening to Squaring Around with Jacob Rodriguez and Andrew Zimmel. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Squaring Around. I'm Jacob Rodriguez. That's the Texas State Sports Press, Andrew Zimmel. This week, we're joined by our super great friend and sports editor of the San Marcos Daily Record, Colton McWilliams. Colton, thanks for joining us, buddy. Hey, it's always a fun time to join y'all over here at the pod. You know, you know, amazing weekend of Texas State Athletics. Can't wait to talk about it. We're here to, I guess, wrap the season, the regular season at least for Texas State, and then bold dream a little bit, where are we going kind of deal, and then talk about some things maybe we got to clean up before all that hoot nanny goes on. So, yeah. But first, we start with Spotify wraps. Now, (laughs) I haven't done mine yet. Let me see. We have been on, I, I want to put this out. We have been doing this podcast for a little bit under a year now, Jakey, right? Yeah, we're, next week, I think, is our anniversary. Next week's our anniversary. If we are in your Spotify rap, please let us know about it. Please screenshot it. Because I've seen a couple of other podcasts that I was like, hey, that could, 
we, we could be in that rotation. You yeah. know, I get it. I understand if like if we didn't make the cut this year, we'll make the cut next year. But I, I did I did notice some things. I was like, hmm, Kelly Dampus, I would like to see your Spotify rap. Please bring it to the front of the class. Well, you know, what's interesting is that we're a we're a Spotify podcast, you know, Spotify for podcasters. So I wonder if they just tell us how much shit we are. Yeah, maybe. I just I, I did mine today. And the last two years I was getting some mixed results. And then this year they essentially just told me, um, congrats, you're depressed. So yeah, they said my my. I remember two years ago when Spotify Rap came out, you were very concerned about your own mental health. Well-being. Yeah, no, that was two years ago. I was concerned. Last year, I was even more concerned because I got similar results. I was getting I was getting fruit pebbles in the uh, bloodstream. Is what how we're gonna say it. Um, mm-hmm. and then this year they pretty much were just like you. You're depressed. They said that my music taste resembled mostly to the people of Bozeman, Montana. So. I don't know what that tells you. Um, Bozeman seems like a nice enough spot, but I used to have like Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole, and now I'm getting like, you know, Zach Bryan, Charlie Crockett, you know. So it's oh. it's like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just um it's it's a it's a eclectic taste. It's a taste shift. And I, I blame my geography. Well, I will say I, I think your Bozeman is a lot better than what I got. I got stuck with College Station, so. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that was me too. That, that's a tough one. That's a tough which one. Is, which is weird because. Jake, would you get Mexico City? Yeah, Mexico City. <laughs> I think I actually got College Station. I don't know. They did it different this year where they just talk about a bunch of random shit instead of telling you like, right. I'm not here for all these feelings. All right. Tell me what the fuck I stream. But if I got College Station, just like Colton's saying. My top artists were Earl Sweatshirt, The Alchemist, Turnpike, Drake, and Zach Bryan. I guess I could see how they got to that conclusion. I had, I had Noah Khan, uh, Zach Bryan, Phoebe Bridgers. Those were my top three. I think my top three, it, it, it's, I don't know how I got College Station, but I think number one was like, no, number one was Gorillas. Number two was Parker McCollum. And then what was my third? I, I don't remember my third one. I, it might have been, I think it might have been like, yeah, he song. Yeah. The Corps Cadets uh, Choir. <laughs> yeah, I just listen to the war hymn nonstop. <laughs> you, know, you know what's fucking... Let me talk about the war hymn for a second. Mike Elko, we're going to talk about this in a second too. Like right. small ripples and stuff affecting the whole college football landscape because it's the Republic of Football Podcast Network, right? Mm-hmm. Mike Elko gets the job at A&M. They post this video of his family being all aggied out, right? Singing the fucking war hymn. That guy doesn't know the fucking lyrics. Let's get that straight. Well, you wouldn't know the lyrics either if you just showed No, of course not. But, like, everybody was like, he didn't miss a beat. It's like he never left. It's like, shut up. He's just moving his face. He's not even saying the real things. Well, well, to give him the benefit of the doubt, he was, like, away for two years. Like, you know, that that, that is a long time. Lance McWilliams, closeted Aggie fan. He definitely faked it, right? Like he, they had to have sung it a few times in the car, or something going up, because he was on beat, but he was not on cue. You know what I'm saying? I I remember this, but here's my thing: he has no excuse not to know it because I learned Rocky Top in two weeks when I thought I was going to get a job in Knoxville, Tennessee. I, I memorized the lyrics to Knoxville, uh, to to the to Rocky Top. Jacob can attest; mm-hmm. I was humming it on the podcast all the time. So he has no excuse; he needs to learn it. Point blank, period. Point okay. number two, 
figure out the expectations for that job. Cause he said, oh, we're going to go back to national championship contenders. And let me tell you something. They haven't competed for a national championship uh, in my grandfather's life. That's nuts. That's a big gap. That's like, we've had more success. Really. If you think about it, Texas state. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> two, division, two titles, baby. Stop it. Seek help. No Heisman's though. No Heisman's. Yeah, as someone who was uh, who went to A and M and knows a lot about the the cult down there in College Station, I, yeah, they need to get they need to figure out like reset the expectations. Like y'all tried to do that with Jimbo Fisher. Look what it got y'all. Like just focus on like, hey, get these. Let's just st- stack those wins on top of each other, and then let's see where it goes from there. They're the yeah. old Miss or Mississippi State, whichever side of that battle no, you want no, to be. No, no, no. Texas. Yes. No, no, no. They're, they're the no. Mississippi State of Texas. No, for sure. Texas Without Tech a doubt. Is, is more the old Miss and Mississippi State of Texas. A&M is not in that conversation. Uh, I think they are. Maybe they yeah. used to be a couple of years ago. Tech, like, feel like is irrelevant now. No? In, like, the broader landscape since the Big 12 shakeup. Even TCU, you could be like, oh, well, you know, they were there. They were at the national title game. <laughs> First Texas school to do it. I, I guess with all that, like, like we know where Mike Elko is going. We know where Jeff Trailer is staying. I don't know. There's a lot of things like currently in flux. I think one thing we do know for sure is GJ's not leaving anymore. I don't think he leaves after year one. It's because millionaires are not made overnight. This is a take Jacob's been on for like a while now, Colton. I don't know if you've been keeping up with it, but pretty much from day one, he was like, after the Baylor win, when people were tweeting, well, GGA's gone, Jake was like, hey, how about you shut the hell up? He's not I, leaving. I think I'm and more worried about Mac Lefwich than GJ leaving. I've tried to reverse jinx it and say that he was going to leave, and then he's not leaving now. So I tweeted he's not going to leave, and now people are saying, like, hey, old takes exposed? Like, what's <laughs> going on over there? So I, I think that he's going to stay here. Colton, you're, you are boots on the ground. You're ear to the ground. You're in the press box. You're at those – uh those press conferences staying or going put your name on it staying like i mean right after the you know leading up to this final game against south alabama like all talks were like okay what are we going to do for next year it's just basically setting the tone and like i basically compare kenny's first year to jeff trailer's first year at utsa i think they're very similar just very similar past you know Trailer didn't get that UTSA program going in his first year. It was that second year jump that you really saw UTSA take the jump from like, okay, we this is where we need to be competing for balls. So like, okay, now we're conference contenders. I felt like Kenny was always going to be on the same path as Trailer. Is like, okay, we need to get to the point where like we're competing for ball games, and that is exactly what they did. They beat Baylor their first game. Got not only got the sixth win, got the seventh win, which is about where UTSA was in that uh, COVID year. So yeah, I don't think. Like when I was listening to y'all's podcast last week, I didn't think any was going to, unless it was like an, an outrageous, like 11 and one or, you know, something out of the blue that nobody was expecting that maybe he was going to get caught, but like seven and six, especially when you're talking about a second year first, a second year head coach that is kind of still, that's still learning the ropes. And we're like, we're still learning more about this offense that like him and Mike Leffage are still developing. Like, I think that's not. Is that a good thing? Is that a good I mean, thing that they're still learning? Well, no, I wouldn't say it's it's still, I guess, not learning, just like adapting and molding this offense because it's. I would argue that they have been inconsistent. <laughs> that, that's well, that's part of the problem here. 
Well, I think there was always going to be inconsistency with this team because you literally got a bunch of transfers that that most of them didn't even come during the spring. Like, you know, yeah. TJ Finley came during the fall. I mean, I think I think that's what not a lot of people grasp about this team. It's like, yes, there is going to be some bumps in the road because you literally got this team during fall camp. They never had that full spring practice with each other. I think that's why you saw a lot of inconsistency this year. I think that's why the Coastal and Arkansas State losses kind of happened and all that. Because Those came late in the season, Colton, and that's what's frustrating me. Because, like, if you have bumps in the road against UTSA, which they did, against Nevada, which they did, against Jackson State, which they did, like, those are forgivable. But when you have bumps in the road in week 12 and 13, it's like, why? Why are you having bumps in the road? There shouldn't be that many bumps. And you talk about TJ Finley. Of all of the players, I think he's been the most consistent. He's done a pretty good job of keeping control of the ball. He hasn't thrown a ton of interceptions. He doesn't turn the ball over a ton. I know some people are freaking out that one turnover is one too many. Okay, I get that. Yeah. But when with the scout report coming in, was this guy's a turnover machine at LSU. This guy can't hit receivers. And that we didn't see that this year. He, he was very consistent. He's very accurate, I thought. Um, I don't know. I just – I. In the grand scheme of things, it's an A plus. Like no, 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 you know, a, a plus. You, yeah, you, you, you were just essentially nitpicking here. But I, I look at it and like, if you want to nitpick, there's things to be nitpicked. You could, you can be nitpicky about this team. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of things you can be nitpicky about. I mean, I think it starts with the defense. I mean, you don't yeah. give up uh, 77 points to Arkansas State, even though, you know about four of them were kind of like freak plays and all that stuff. I think that's kind of one of my main concern is like how this kind of getting this defense going. But yeah, I, I will agree with you with TJ Finley. He's probably is probably the most consistent. And you talk about the turnovers where a lot of his interceptions weren't really his fault. Like it wasn't like he, and you, you can talk to Matt. We talked to Mac Leffage about, about it. You know, it wasn't like he made the wrong decision. It just kind of, you know, making a play an extra play like especially in that Troy game you know you know he was running out of the pocket should he ran it in on that play in the end zone yeah maybe but like he was also trying to make an extra play so yeah Finley probably the most is the most was one of the more consistent players this year despite being in the fall um I think probably another nitpicky you can maybe there were some problems on the offensive line but you could also chalk that up to injuries and all that stuff because Mm -hmm. we didn't have Nash Jones for like you know, he got injured, then UTSA, you know, gets taken out from the majority of the year, and there were some other injuries as well with, you know. But overall, like, I agree with you, A-plus season. He Coach Kenny did exactly what he said he was going to do, turn this thing around, and you have a quarterback that broke the, sing- the season rack- the season record for most passing guards. Uh, Ishmael Mahdi, the first 1,200-yard rusher since Claude Mathis, you know, considered to be one of the greatest Bobcats of all time, I think, you know – what did I put? Yeah, Joey Hope, Holberg, Ashton Hawkins, Cole Wilson, over 500 yards receiving. I mean, this is about as good of a start like as you were going to get. Like, yeah, there were some like UTSA. Would you love to have it, get a win over UTSA? Of course. I think everyone would love to get a win over your rivals. Would you love to be kind of beat that Cajun curse against Louisiana? Of course. But considering well, this is, as being a the thing is too is being that, like, a first year coach. Yeah. The Cajun deal, the Troy game, those are winnable games. And yes. I was talking to Jacob, and I'm like, when you look back at the season, it's frustrating from a fan base because, yeah, 7-5 is great. We jump in the river. Everything's great. But also, 
you look back and you go like, ah, shit, if we just had that one or if we had this one, all of a yeah. sudden we're playing yeah. in a conference championship game. And maybe that is part of the reason that to wrap the book, put a bow on G.J. Kenny coming back potentially. Right. We don't know for sure, but it's looking that way. That he's coming back. Maybe that's part of the reason It's because he says like, hey, very successful year one, but there is still room to grow. There's still the ceiling is still very high for this team. That's pretty much what GJ said too. Oh. Like, if you look back, like you, you know, I mean, we were almost on the other side of that Southern Miss game too. Then they came back the way that they did. And if South Al had started their second quarterback, they probably would have won that game too because that second dude diced us up for two quarters, pretty much. But I don't know. It's it's sort of the same like history you look at like when you play like a full season of NCAA. You're like, oh wow, I could be in a New Year's Six Bowl if like a few things had just gone right, you know. But can you live yeah. your life like that? But every every team satisfied? says that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I want to go. Do you do you have a rundown, Jacob? Or can we can we go over just like let Zimmel, you know, space it? You want some ISO quick, ISO. You want, you want some quick takes off the year or what? Yeah, that's what I wanted with Colton. Yeah. Let, let's I go to get some quick, that. quick takes. All right, uh, Colton. First things first. MVP of this team, right? It's got to be mean, GJ. Or it's got to it's got to be uh, uh, TJ Finley. Yeah, I I don't see any other reason like it shouldn't be TJ Finley. I mean, I don't think the offense. I don't think this team gets where it is if if TJ wasn't the quarterback. Like I know we all had our questions. Like, is he really going to be? Is is he really worth the hype? Because we heard all heart like, oh yeah, TJ Finley is going to be the starting quarterback. And I was, I think I was like you, like, you know, we heard a lot of all about you know these quarterbacks coming in at Texas State, seeing like, oh they're going to tear it up. This is going to be the next future of the program and they all kind of fell flat on their face tj was the only one that really stepped up and i don't think we get the seven wins if he's not the quarterback yeah he's definitely the mvp and aren't you so glad that we didn't run the platoon system aren't we like all just happy that like it wasn't a hey here's one quarter of tj here's one quarter of malik I guess. I mean, sometimes I wish no, we I had am... thrown Malik out there sometimes, in, especially like during that whole coastal thing. I don't know what the hell that was. During, uh, what was the other game we got our asses kicked to? Arkansas, Arkansas State. State. Uh, yeah, that was another game Malik should have played in. Um, I don't know. Not like a true pl- platoon system, but just using a secondary quarterback a little bit more effectively than what we use Malik for. I, I mean, I, I get that, but at the same time, like, but at the same time, like, you have to stick with TJ. You named him the number one starter. Like, there's no, no, there's no reason to like pull him out. Like, okay. you know, the coastal thing, like that was just a little bit weird. But I don't know if he was just trying to save him or what, or like it just things wasn't going his way. He's like, okay, we're just try something different. But the fact that I'm really proud of Kenny, like, even if TJ was going through his problems, he was like, no, we're gonna stick with this guy. And it wasn't like the Spav situation, like last year where like it's obvious that like catcher wasn't the guy but for some reason they never really said like okay let's throw somebody else in but but yeah no i'm just really proud like we we had a guy and we stuck with him throughout the season and like it really paid off dividends in the end yeah i guess is he your sunbelt player of the year i guess we did stick with some guy last year too though so (laughs) it's not uncommon for us is he your sunbelt player of the year colton I mean, I would make him the Sun Belt Player of the Year. I mean, who takes a team that never been to that's haven't won, you know, seven or more seven games in about a decade, and like comes in and they re, re, revamp the offense and they win seven wins? I mean, 
I think they're like tied for second place in the Sun Belt. I mean, I mean, I would vote him as Player of the Year. I mean, there was no, there was no whole lot of players that came in. Not only came in, but came in during fall camp. Didn't even get the spring train, get the spring practice like most of these other quarterbacks get. Who did? He came in fall practice immediately, like established himself as a leader and led the team to you know first seven win season in nearly a decade. I mean, I don't see why not. Like, if he isn't, he should be in the conversation for Player of the Year. Well, I think he's obviously in the conversation. But I, I, it's the, yeah. the difference between being in the conversation and getting the award. And in my case for him has been and continues to be all season when I talk to the Sunbelt media guys and the fans and shit. As I say, like, there's not another quarterback in this conference who has played as well as he has. Like, if you just take everything else aside, you go blind resume. TJ Finley has been the best quarterback. And it shows that he is a power five QB. And this is why the Sunbelt Conference, this is the first year, Colton, that I can honestly say the Sunbelt was helped by Texas State. There's been a ton yes. of years where yes. Texas State has been helped by the Sunbelt. It's the first year Texas State helped the Sunbelt Conference in the, like, Football. we are the next best thing. Like, it's the Power Five, well, Power Four now, and the Sunbelt. Like, that. Yeah. that is, we are the premier group of five, and it's because of Texas State, in part because of Texas State. Yeah, if Texas State isn't bowl eligible, the Sun Belt doesn't have 12 uh, bowl, bowl teams going, and that's more than what the ACC and the SEC can say. Like, yeah. 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 It was that next leg on the pony that needed to get things going. So now I got 12. I saw that. It was a really impressive graphic that I guess like Fox Sports or somebody had pushed out, and it was just like seeing that next to the Sun Belt and seeing little Texas State's logo there. That's kind of always fun. You know, when they, when they had the graphic before Rivalry Week where it said, like, um, is your team bowl eligible and Texas State's there, like, that that has to make you feel good as a Bobcat fan. Like, I, I don't know a single Bobcat fan, whether you're a sports fan or not, that when that graphic comes out that you're not like, oh, they, that's my school. And mm-hmm. this, again, we, we beat this dead horse a billion times, but that's going to help Texas State in the long run. Mm-hmm. If you can get this football program just to mediocrity, like we're talking like in 10 years, we're at a 500 all-time FBS record. You you will get more tuition dollars. You will get more sponsor dollars, NIL dollars. It, you Your programs across the board will be better when the football team is good. And God bless Dampus. God bless Don for getting us to this point, man, because I, I never thought I'd see the day. When t- when Jacob hit me up, I, I say this every week, when Jacob hit me up to do this podcast, Colton, and he was like, you want to talk Texas State? I was like, not really. You know, I got my own shit going on. I got, I'm got i talking Bison. Yeah. Like, this is a national championship contending team up here. I don't want to talk about the Texas State team that breaks my heart every week. And we decided to do it. I didn't go to any Bison game this year. I watched every Texas State game, every minute of every game, and it paid off. So I'm going to take credit, too. I, I take 1% credit, GJ. I don't want to say that I used, like, UTSA's Rivals Network as, like, a barometer for success of the season. But I was like, if we have a losing season and we're still doing this podcast, number one, I'm going to have to pull the plug on this podcast because I'm spending way too much fucking time doing this shit for a losing Ruin the relationship for it. Yeah, exactly. And number two, um, like... I think we just caught the wave kind of nicely. You know, we we obviously had some experience covering this team. Our friend Colton covers this team professionally, and we roped him in a few episodes and we kind of filled in a lot of gaps for us with some other people. But like really the heart of this team has been like this fan base revamping, re re-rejuvenating, you know. The loud crowd. 
The loud yeah. crowd did not exist when we were in school. Am I exactly. correct, Colton? Like, oh we, no, like uh, it it existed. Like the first basketball game there. I ever went to, like it was like Texas State, Arkansas State. I went there and I was like, "Where the hell is everybody?" Yeah, it's first, not it's not like that no more. Like the first I, athletic I event saying, that I ever went to, it was a Baylor volleyball game, Baylor and te- te- Texas State volleyball game, August of 2016. Nobody was in that stadium. Zero people. Baylor, who is nationally ranked, nobody's there. And now that doesn't happen, you know? And and that just goes to prove revamping. All right, I want to get back to hot takes. Defense. Ben Bell, Brian Holloway. Who you taking? Oof. Oof. No. I, I think I lean towards Brian Holloway just because he – you know, he led the team in total tackles, but he's also, like, one of the leaders on that defense. Like, I don't think – like, the defense isn't – he kind of – I wouldn't say – how do I say this? I would say he's, like, kind of the spirit of, of the defense. Just, like, he's the leader. He's he's the guy – number one guy on that, on that unit that's going to be making the tackles almost every single play. And, yeah, I, I would lean Brian on, on he was, defense. He was also, I feel like, for three weeks or something. He was, like, the only captain on defense or, like, one of the last captains standing. So, yeah, in a lot of ways, it was, like, he was the face of that defense the entire time. Mm-hmm. All right, and race like the game. Take, race and it's not the takeaway from Ben Bell's, like, uh, I think he actually leads the team in sacks and all that stuff. I mean, he was, like, he was just like his awesome. brother. Like, he was tearing it up on the defensive line. But, like, I think – Linebackers probably, would you say, like, probably one of the more important positions on the defensive unit? Like, if you don't have a solid linebacker, like. Brian London, cut it. This is what we send to Brian after the podcast. Uh, All right, rank these receivers. An N95 mask, okay? Newborn baby, Ashton Hawkins. Dude, Ashton Hawkins has proven himself. No, he hasn't. For the past three weeks. No, he hasn't. Coming to his own. Colton, we don't point fingers here on the podcast, but if we were going to point some fingers, <laughs> Joey Hobart did his job. Cole Wilson did his job. Hey, Joey Hobart hasn't been on the field, not for his own fault, but he hasn't been on the field in two weeks now. I'm just saying. Hey. I'm just saying Colton? who stepped up? Who was there in our time of need? Ashton Hawkins. I will say it like Ashton has like these past two games he really Ashton Hawkins has really stepped up his game but like yeah it was kind of weird not seeing like Ashton be like a non I wouldn't say a non-contributor but like Joey and Cole were like doing most of the heavy lifting and all that stuff but I like to give credit to Ashton he really did step up the past two games I mean he had 100 like even though like Arkansas State game it it was what it was like I was a little, little shocked to see he had like over 165 yards receiving in that game and yeah, like how many he, touchdowns? I think it was like two, one or two. Here's the difference for you boys. Joey Hobart, 847 yards for the year. Ashton Hawkins, 819. Cole that Wilson, doesn't feel right. right that doesn't feel like a true seven. stat. Well, that doesn't yeah. that doesn't feel legit. That's what it is. What's the Joey reception? Hobart's only paid 10 games. Ashton Hawkins what, played 12. What's the reception numbers? It's Joey with a 71 catches, 847 yards, eight touchdowns. Ashton, 52 ca- catches, yeah, okay. 800, 819 yards, three okay. touchdowns. Yeah, that's, the that's what I obviously, The drops for Ashton are obviously hurting him in that category, too, especially at the beginning of the season. I mean, if you give him the entire Baylor game, like the amount of times he was targeted versus the amount of drops, like it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, The UTSA game, too. Yeah. Just, you know, but here's the thing. 
and Louisiana. That's in the past, in the present. I'm happy that Hawkins is here. And we said that if he has a great bowl game, that all is forgiven. It's yeah. all forgiven. It doesn't matter. Uh, last I talked about take... it, too, that they moved him from slot to the outside, and they were kind of wishy-washy with what they were doing with him specifically, and that's kind of what led to those kind of like, I guess, like in-season, like, what? What's going on moments? Nah, that see, that's coach talk to try to defend their guy. Yeah, and I yeah. get it. I understand it, but... Let's be uh, let's call a spade a spade here. Last hot take question for you, Colton. Um, are you surprised we didn't use the tight end more? I understand that GJ's offense is like spread it out, you know, good route trees, but no, not a lot of tight end play this year. Our guy was well, MIA. Well, I think for most of the season, Connor Fox was like out with like injury and all of that stuff. I like I will say I, I see more tight end work from this season than I have in all the Spavadar Spavadar years, like weirdly enough. Like right, these, I think these past two games I've seen like Connor Fox do a lot more than any other tight end I've seen. But like he like I know this last game he kind of got in into it. I mean he ended up mossing that one uh, defensive back towards the end of the game. But yeah, I I would say I'm a little bit surprised, but I'm not surprised considering like you know when Connor Fox went down, like I think we started using more like wide receiver looks. But when but when he came back in, like the your rotation was. Finley with Marty at the running back, and then it was like Ashton, Joey, and Cole. But then Connor Fox was kind of like that was the kind of like your fourth wide receiver, but he would just be like stuck in the tight end. He would either be blocking or like he would, you know, you would send him on the route. But, I, I okay, so yeah, the, using the receivers are important, and that's where this question was like directed. But also, we didn't run very well on the outside. The, and you could tell with Fox being out, we didn't really have a blocking tight end. We didn't have somebody that can kind mm-hmm. of like collapse the defense on that uh, on the outside. So look, I, I, that's one of those things where at the end of the day, you know, does it really matter? Not, not really, not entirely. It's going to be a, a footnote of a footnote in the history books, but it was coming in this year. I was like, a little more tight end play. Well, we no, even, so. we even flexed out Sean Shaw at one point in the season to give us like another tight end look. And then that really didn't result in like more targets or anything on two on the outside. Some guy I was really excited in this signing class. It was Jake Simpson. He's a 6'4", 220 pound freshman out of independence. Uh, you know, he's the, he looked great, but we didn't get any looks. So even when we were like really like down bad, we didn't have anybody out there. So who, uh, who, who leaves? Who leaves? Off this team, who's leaving? Because I got uh, one. I got one on top of my top of my head right now. Okay. And I got another Malik one that's Hornsby, like a halfway. For sure, is out, I think. Malik Hornsby was probably my first guest. I, I think that there's probably a good shot here that he says to himself, I can go start somewhere else. And maybe that's an FCS program. Maybe that's another group of five program. But I think he's like, yeah, my time at Texas State's done. And the other PJ one Hatter might be Dunzo, too. Who? PJ Hatter might be done. I don't know. It kind of depends on his own highlights. It kind of depends if TJ sticks around because I think there's something to be said for sticking it out and then playing in a year. You know what I mean? And being the backup next year. That's true. Yeah. He could just do what Malik did this year, which resulted in touchdowns and some stuff, you know? How much time does uh, Ashton Hawkins have left on his uh, eligibility? Let's see. I think he's a redshirt junior. If I'm not mistaken, come on, computer, catch up with me. I think he's got at least one more year because he wasn't part of the graduating, like you know, with the senior day. Like he wasn't a part of that. He's a he's a true junior. Mm, okay, so 
Maybe he maybe he goes. I think he's one of those that I'm like lukewarm on. That like he might is, go, he might stay. Is he gonna be in fucking college for forever too, probably? You think so? Yeah. Prior to Tesco State, he was at Cisco, then he was a freshman here. One, two, three, four. So he has, yeah. Plus COVID, maybe? He can play for six years or seven years. Get a job. <laughs> One, two, three, four. So this would be his fifth year coming up. That's crazy. All right, let's do we want to shift to bowl games? Talk about the projections. Yeah. Yeah. So we got we got some projections. One of them is one that I want. One of them is one that our friend Will Butler wants. Uh Colton, what do you want? We'll start there. What bowl game have you seen projected that you're like, ooh, I don't I wouldn't mind that? I mean selfish reasons like Frisco Bowl, like just because it's like I can drive I could drive from San Marcos to Frisco. If I'm being real, if I really want to be selfish, I really want to go out to New Mexico. I think that would be a really full, cool, cool place. That's where I'm at too, buddy. And I think I've seen where your head is at too in these press conferences. I think secretly your heart is in the New Orleans Bowl. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Colton's like, bring me that fish bowl. You know, let's see what that looks like. Exactly. No, okay. So you you go New Orleans Bowl, Jacob, and you I want go New, New I want New Mexico too. Yeah, that's where my heart is. All right, I, 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 I want to take a little boys trip with Zimmel and Colton. That's what I want to do. Frisco is like a you, day trip for us. That's well, what I want. Yeah. To Albuquerque. That's that's. I want everybody to understand that. Like boys trip to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Boys like, trip. I understand it. I understand it. You know, great. But like, also, you know, what what, what are we doing here? Um, yeah. Well, I think of all our 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 lovely squaring around folks that'll show up with us too. So you know. Yeah, that's true. That is true. When you think about like what Texas State's doing, right? They have the, those deposits with like the bowl experience or whatever. Who wants to have a bowl experience in New Mexico or not New Mexico? Excuse me, Frisco. <laughs> I think I I agree with you. I think all three of them are fine. I'm going with Frisco. That's that's my pick. Now yeah. I want to hear who you want to play because I think that's a much more interesting question. Well, and let's talk about why you want Frisco. Is because you want to make your your own travel plans for the fucking yes. whatever your, your time block that you're here for easier. Yeah. You want to fly into Texas and and Dallas, have Brendan pick you up, and then have me drive you back down. That's what yeah. you want to do. Exactly. I don't know why that's a problem. It's not a problem. It's just strategic planning on your part. But I just hope it doesn't happen. We meet in New Mexico, and you guys still take another flight back home. So I have to, I, this, you hear this? I have to fly to New Mexico and then fly from New Mexico to San Antonio. He's not going <laughs> to help. He's not going to carpool with me back to I'm San gonna Antonio. I'm going to drive to New Mexico. That shit sucks. You're fl- Okay, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to fly to New play? Mexico 100%. I would 100% drive to New Mexico. If I lived in Texas, I'd drive to New Mexico. I want to play somebody who limped into a bowl game. That's who I want to play. Jam you? And, no. Send <laughs> <laughs> the fuck away from us. <laughs> Keep them away from us next year. I don't even think we play them next year. No, we play them next year. That's how schedules work. God, no. Let me see. No, I, I, no, I don't think we do. We didn't play them this year. Why would we not play them next year? No, but we played them last year. We played. So we we play them every three years. I, it, it's we do not like play that. them. But I don't think they have announced like who the who our Sunbelt East opponents are going to be. I I have a sting suspicion we're going to have a year on year off like. Did we we went there last year, so I bet they come to San Marcos this year. Yeah, we haven't. We they had, they haven't not disclosed the Sun Belt schedule. It's the return of the Sam Houston game, though. So I know Colton's excited for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who do you want to play, Colton? 
selfish. Okay, I'll give you my, my three selfish reasons just for like being petty. I want another rematch with UTSA. I think that would be a really Flip good. It. Like, and I was like, oh, but we don't want to play. Run it UTSA. back. I don't want to give them their first bowl. Bowl, and I'm just like, screw that. Like, no, no, no. I want to, I want to play UTSA in our first in our first bowl game, and I want that for that first vic, bowl victory to be over UTSA. There's nothing going to top it. I think that puts like that would be like the cherry on top. I think I would get My, kicked out of the press box again if that happened. You know, I, here's the thing. I I like Colton because I know he listens to the podcast because he is literally going verbatim what I've been saying. You know, but it's one of those things where you know, scare money don't make money. If mm-hmm. you go into a bowl game against UTSA, which I'm going to break everybody's balls right now and say that's not going to happen. UTSA has a chance wanna. here. To yeah. play, play in a pretty nice bowl game, and it's not going to be Frisco or uh, New Orleans or Albuquerque. It, they're going to play in a nicer bowl game. They're probably going to play a Power 5 opponent. Good luck to them. I hope they don't win. Um, I would like to play UTSA as well. I don't think it's going to happen, though, which is disappointing. Jacob? A couple weeks ago, it would have happened had we not gone on like a three-game losing yes. streak and Zimmel not really threatened this team with removing a major tradition <laughs> with losing for the fourth game in that skin. Which so, give me, Colton yeah. back me up on this. If we it's lost four fair. straight, you'd say no more jumping in the river. Period. Um, Point blank. We gotta get we you, you can't jump in the river anymore. I I, I mean I love, I love jumping in the river, but I, I would have been like questioning a lot of things. I'm like Jesus, like, like what, what, yeah, right? What? Yeah. I said yeah. no jumping in the river, point blank, period. Next summer no, when I'm no. chi- when I'm chilling at Don's fish camp, I'm gonna feel a little bit some type of way about that whole river experience, you know? Yeah, exactly. So Jacob, who do you want to play? You said limping in. Who's limping in? I want to see anybody limping. I kind of wanted to play a service academy when they announced yep, Navy. Navy. Yep. I was like, oh, that could be fun. You know, Navy's very good. They have very icy uniforms, but GJ Kinney's got TJ Finley. That's what I think. <laughs> who I cares like about it. your I- submarines? I had I had Navy too. I said I wanted I wanted to play Navy. Um, that and that I think is probably the most likely at this point. I think that that's what I've seen the most of. Um, let's play yeah, your I, let's I, play your brother's old school, the Merchant Marine Academy. They were a Division three school, which would be yeah. which would be kind of funny. They have a big rivalry with Coast Guard, and I think they won this year. I think they snapped a losing streak against Coast Guard. I'm not completely uh, sure though. Funny enough, my brother actually joined the Coast Guard. So oh, yeah, this hidden rivalry here. Rivalry week <laughs> coming off rivalry week. Um, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, oh, I, see if you want my Sitco's ball game, I want Texas State versus Cal. I think oh. that would be a very interesting like little show showdown because if for people who need a reminder, former Texas State head coach Jake Spavdar currently the OC at Cal, but I don't think that's going to happen because the frit. If it's the Frisco Bowl, like I don't think we've got the bowl. I don't think they've got the the, the t- juice the to get it. Yeah. Where's Cal yeah. playing next year? What conference are they in? The ACC. Are they really? Okay. Yes, they are really. Like them, them Stanford and SMU are like, yeah, let's go join the ACC. Not like it's going to implode because Florida State and Clemson are like, yeah, we want out because this conference kind of sucks. I think this was a press box take too, but I, I don't know if it was Kef or somebody else in the box this week was like, oh, we could play Cal. And I was like, yeah, did you see what they did to North Texas? That's not fucking fun. Yeah. I, I said North Texas would be a fun one. 
That would no. be kind of cool. Too. Well, no, North, North Texas actually isn't bull edge. Like the only insane yeah, realistic could be playing is actually Rice. Which oh, yeah. that would be an that was another game. one too that from the press box this week. That was fun. Rice would be a good one, but I'm yeah. I'm saying Colton before the season, I was like UNT would be. Oh one. yeah, no, you are you Texas would... State U UNT showed on. Oh yeah, that would that would have been money. Yeah, I I would mind Rice. That was another one that if Navy was off the table, Rice would be a really good one, especially for the Frisco Bowl. Two Texas teams, and I think they have the most exciting team in football. Now, sadly, our guy Marco is gone. You know. That was that was our text day connection. Mm-hmm. And, and where is he going? UT RGV. What? <laughs> How fun! I know, <laughs> it all dude, comes dude. back to Jacob. Really? <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you, man. I saw that and I said I'm very happy that he is like he's moving up. I mean, he's getting yeah. a higher position. There's a lot of um, Texas State staffers on that team because uh, their head coach really? Travis Bush yeah. uh, was a Texas State coaching alumni. He was also part of the original group that helped build UTSA's program. He was part of the first like coaching class there. Marco Regalado is obviously an alumni of Texas State. And then uh, who's the other guy? Lungford? Langford? He was also like a Texas State coach, I think, too. Yeah. When do we play those guys? That'd be fun. It would be uh, fun. But not we sure because that's an FCS program, but... <laughs> yeah so put them on the schedule boys <laughs> yeah where are they in the southland right or where's no that? they're in the whack they're in the whack they're in the whack for all athletics uh for football they're in the united athletic conference that's that mishmash between all the schools with oh, the, yeah. the football playing schools with like the whack and the asun conference where they just made so up a did conference you see delaware and they, jumping they up messed up their own logo I, and did a bunch of shit yeah no i did see delaware jumping up like i'll tell you when uh, I was asking FCS fans up here, I was like, what does that matter to anybody? Does that move the needle? And they were like, no, Delaware is not that good. They said that the FCS died when JMU was the last one to leave. They said when Georgia Southern and App left, that like the whole conference like felt it or the whole like, you know, FCS felt when those teams left. Well, it opened up the door for North Dakota State to win like nine bowls, yeah. like nine national championships. Yeah. So like I clearly like that played a part. But JMU leaving was when they were like, Mm, it's pretty much just the Midwest schools that matter now. Like, yeah. Do you remember? Do you guys remember all the schools in the ASUN? <laughs> no, but I wanted to hear what Colton was going to say about the FCS before you interrupted him. My bad, my bad. But that—that's such a weird. Like, I don't wouldn't say the FCS like died. I mean, but when James, James Matt, I think that's a really large leap to take, just because. It's not as competitive. I mean, well, it's it yeah. doesn't it doesn't matter nearly as much. When the hell are your boys going to leave Zimmel? Well, They're they not. Go they, pastures. They have North Dakota State has tied themselves to this uh, division of football. They have they're they're not moving up. They've said we're not moving up. We are in the FCS because they like their championships. Fucking they would amazing. rather win national championships, even if it is just beating up you know school of the blind. UIW Our, might leave the FCS before. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Well, hold on. They're not even in the I'll, FCS playoffs I'll, this year. I'll, I'll bounce that. I'll bounce that. Why? Why do you think Incarnate Word stays and North Dakota State would leave? Or why uh, do you think you're? Oh, Incarnate yeah, Word the other way stay? around. That is flip-flopped. Uh, I, mean, I, you, just, I think you... UIW is ready to take some chances. <laughs> They've <laughs> lost too many coaches to this shit. Also, there it's an older school than Texas State. 1881 versus 1889. Did you know that? Wow. Nobody cares. Colton. Yeah, I know. It's not even the oldest Catholic school in San Antonio, though. That's St. Mary's. 
That's some San Antonio quick facts for Shut you. Shut the fuck up. God <laughs> damn. Colton. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I went on one of those double-decker tour buses around town, obviously. What is this, like a tour bus guide? Yeah. Visit San Antonio, down. everybody. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, here's why I don't think Incarnate Word would jump up to the F yet. For one, there it's a small private school down in San Antonio, and like – Go talk to Coach Kenny, like, before Coach Kenny. Like, when you talk about the facilities, that they're, it's not worth the – to jump from FES to FBS, like, I let, let's let's drag our – let's drag our old uh, rivals down at Texas State Huntsville. They are quickly finding out that the, that the jump from FCS to FBS is no joke. You need to make the proper investments, and I don't think Incarnate Word wants to make those investments quite yet because it's hard – it's hard enough to be a private school that doesn't, you know, that's, I mean, it kind of works on like Trinity. Trinity, like basically like Rise, except Trinity's like, now nah, we're not going to deal with like the scholarships and all that stuff. They're working to staying in a division three. And kind of like I said, they don't have the money. It's not like a Tarleton state where like donors are like pumping in so much money. And, you know, I mean, you all saw the attendance numbers when we were comparing the, when you say like, well, what are the crowds like incarnate word? They draw less than like 2000 fans mm-hmm. at their games. That's like, like there's no reason for them to jump, to make the jump to FBS. Like I think. And that's incarnate a packed house word's for gonna, them. I think incarnate Word's going to do the North Dakota state thing. Just like, Hey, we can win. It's a lot easier to win championships when you're playing a nickel States, Southeastern Louisiana, than it is to go jump to like maybe a conference USA. Yeah. Yeah. That know, makes playing, sense. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but I would keep an eye on Tarleton State. They are like they renovated their stadium and like it's about the their attendance was like fourth across FCS's like most intended games. I think that's probably like your next uh, team that's probably going to try to make the jump. I know they've been desperately wanting to make the jump to FBS. I think their main destination. Yes, like you think I am. You think I'm joking? Like no, they are dead serious about making this jump. But they're not good. Like, it's not like they're, like, competing for, like, national titles at that level, so why make the jump? Like, revenue's not going to jump. Like, there, there's a, there is, like, a ceiling to all of this. And Tarleton yeah. is not, like, a school that I consider all that prestigious in the state of Texas, too. Like, hey, how I'm dare you, myself, like, sir? Huh? I'm just, said, like, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying to myself, like, you know, Rio Grande, right? Like, they have a, a built-in recruiting base. And a medical like, school in, down there. Just saying. They can recruit the whole valley. Tarleton, who are they getting? Like, what, what, rec- like, recruiting pool are they going to tap into to like go get? Um, at- okay, I, I'll, I'll throw out this hi- hypothetical. You can probably convince a uh, recruit from DFW to go to Tarleton, then they would go to Lubbock. I mean, Stephenville is about maybe a two, two, so maybe so- one. This, one and a half this, hour drive from this is what we've been waiting for all podcasts. Colton's telling us that Tarleton is going to knock off tech, that Tarleton State is going to steal the recruits that Texas Tech desperately needs to compete in the Big 12. Yeah, you shut that up, your tortillas. <laughs> Jesus. No, I don't think that's the time. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> well, like, I don't think it is, it, it is going to happen because, like, like I said, I don't know if Conference USA necessarily wants Tarleton State at the moment and all of that stuff. Don't I they, think they'd rather didn't go. Didn't they just do a whole thing where they were like, we only want major market schools. We yeah. only want schools. 
what no that's, yeah. that's the same yeah He's like i think tarleton state should just like focus focus on focus your yeah yeah literally just made the jump to division from division two to fcs like y'all are getting out of y'all's four-year transition period just focus on like just at least winning conference championships in the in that kind of like frankenstein uac conference before y'all think about jumping to conference usa yeah, Focus and, on and preventing they like gotta get underage the vaqueros. That's the first thing. Let's cut down the underage drinking from like ninety five percent to like maybe ninety two percent before we think about going to like FBS. You know, let's, let's stop a pump a break here. Like, what are we doing? Um. All right. Any other hot takes you got for me, Colton? I mean, if we're ranking the, how great is this Texas State? Is this obviously best FBS season of all time? Considering we are going, but like if we combine like FCS Division Two, where does this season kind of top ten? Top ten? No, I, I don't. Would you say top five? No, no, oh, no. Because okay, we got what, two what? national championships and we have like a couple semifinal appearances at like the Division Two level. And even though I kind of stick my nose up at those as like, nah, does it really count? It does. Does does does. And we haven't won a bowl game. We win a bowl game, it jumps into top five. Right now, it's top ten. Okay, if if it's top five, I said the two national championship years, eighty, yeah, eighty one, eighty two, then obviously two thousand five. Who who are the other two teams that are higher than this uh, twenty three team? There's a team. I'm pretty sure there was a team in the seventies that made a good run. Like we're talking late seventies, but this is yeah, before they it, won the national championship. I think you might be talking about seventy three because that was the that was the last time that was. Before the national championship teams, that was when they won the conference championship. But it was actually they tied Howard Payne You're for right. the conference championship. It was like a shared conference championship. So I would put that team, and like there's a team that it's after the national championship. So it's like I want to say like mid '80s. There was a team that was like pretty good. Uh, I'm pretty. You might be talking. You might be thinking about '83 because that was. Final year of the Lone Star Conference, they win, they they win the Lone Star Conference and get a first round, you know, advance to the playoffs in their last year in Division Two. Okay, I, I, I think can... that I think that those would be the five, and then like I said, you win a bowl game here that jumps into the top yeah. five. But yeah, I would I would say this is a top ten season for sure. Okay, easily, yeah. Let's. Uh, I guess next time we come on, does here... that not impress you, Jacob? That Colton and I literally sat here and argued about football that happened 40 fucking years ago. What do you do for the fan that just tuned in? You know, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm proud of you both for knowing all this football history. The next time I get drunk in a bar and somebody corrects me about something on my own fucking podcast, I can be like, oh, wow, congratulations. You know that. And I don't. Well, look what whoop the damn do. I got, you know, I I know bowl games, too. Um, the next time we get on the Republic of Football Podcast Network, though, we're probably gonna have to talk about recruiting because it's right around the corner. And the reason I am almost okay at recovering recruiting is partly because I fact check with Colton on things, but also because I'm a Golden Bachelor fan and Bachelor in general fan. And that's what's also going on. Thursday night, we see the first Golden Bachelor select his bride. I am close to finding my second love of my life. A proposal could be at the other end of this. If he asked me to marry him, I would say yes. He told me he loves me, but I don't know what he said to her. I think you're the one. (laughs) It's fun, man. 
It's a good time. If you guys haven't tuned into this season, it's down to the final two ladies. They just had fantasy suites. It's Leslie and Teresa. It's a miracle they survived the fantasy suites. Like, let's yeah. be honest here. It's a miracle nobody died. And I'm just gonna attack. I'm just gonna tell you guys a little spoiler. They both went into the fantasy suites, and now his decision split. It's crazy. It's kind of what DJ Kinney is gonna feel this entire offseason. I made a mistake doing this podcast with you. You know, um, you know how we watched <laughs> around the horn and like Tony had the mute button. The, 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 yeah, I think people so, want these takes, especially because ESPN is a you know ABC property, so they would probably let me go off for a while. And Jesse Palmer, who's like a college football guy, you know, former NFL guy, but you know nobody knows who the fuck he is. In the most, he's the host. He, I'm just saying he is the he is a former NFL guy, former college football player, the same way that Colton is like a former wrestler. Like, it's like, you know, it's close. Colton's a current wrestler, first of all. That's insane. Yeah, watch me jump off these ladders and performing elbow (laughs) drops, putting people through tables and all of that stuff. If you think a face swap for that shit is not coming, you got another fucking thing coming. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be easy for me. Face fault me with Sean, when Shawn Michaels battling Mr. McMahon when he performs the elbow doing the See, DX look, and The jokes write themselves. This is, this is the alley oops that I that I give Jacob on a daily. Um, <laughs> dude, I mean, on your recruiting wish list, what what positions do you think we need immediately? Offensive line. <laughs> we need, we need a line, center, yeah. and we need a center bad. Uh, offensive line is number one. Um, secondary is number two. I think our secondary is much better this year, but I think that the injuries have hampered them more than in past, in previous seasons. In fact, Colton, this might be the thinnest that they were at secondary since like the Withers era. You think I'm wrong about that? Um, Mate, I, I don't know. Like, no, it's just it, guys getting hurt all the time. Yeah, no, no, there, there was. Like, I mean, we lost Troy Spears, one of our captains. Like, I. Went down like early in the season. And he still and made think... Craven's list of top defense guys. How does that happen? And then uh, I know Josh Eaton, one of our cornerbacks, he also, uh, he's been kind of been battling with injuries. So, but now I kind of agree. Number one priority, go get some offensive linemen, go develop. I know we got a couple of offensive linemen in this last uh, recruiting class. I think they need to continue to stock up. And uh, I think you need to start focusing on rebuilding, rebuilding the defense. I mean, you know, you're losing, you know, Brian Holloway. You're losing a bunch of, you know, a lot of people on that defensive line. I think you – they got a really solid class right now, but I think you you start – I think this is a time to, like, start hitting – get these offensive linemen, start getting uh, uh, these defensive players because as much as, like, we love, like, offense, 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 like, you can't do anything when your offensive line's, you know, not up to stuff. And you can't expect an offensive score, keep continuing to score 50-odd points and, and kind of like being in the Lincoln-Riley situation. You can have a great offense and then, like, kind of forget about the defense. I don't think that's – Do you think Do you think that we go in the transfer portal or, or do you think we go to high schools to go get those players? Because I am of the opinion that I think Texas State is about to become transfer you, that it will be consistently – like, look, there's something to be said for, like, getting transfers and keeping them. I think that's what Texas State is really, like, focusing on. But I have a seeking suspicion that we are going to consistently be the team that, like, is calling Power 5, has-beens, <laughs> Power 5 wannabes, come to Texas State, 
rehab your image, play your final season somewhere else to go to the league. That that I think is the spot for Texas State in this whole uh land whole map of college football. Well, I think it's it you gotta you gotta play the balance game. I mean, we saw what happened with the Spav era when you go too hard in the transfer port and you don't have but I, I will say I think on this this current recruiting class, I think we've got 14 high school recruits. That's actually a really good number. I think mm-hmm. in this era, this new era that we're kind of going in, we're still learning a lot. I mean, I think we're learning, like you can't bit like learning from Colorado situation. You can't just pluck your, a bunch of offensive linemen from the transfer portal, stick them in and say like, okay, let's go, go mm-hmm. win, win us a bunch of games. It, obviously you can't do that. I think it's more like keeping a balance. Like, a, like you can't, you can't be like, Another kind of on the other extreme example, like what's happening at Baylor, you know, Baylor didn't really hit the transfer reporter. Look what happened to their season and all. So it's about keeping like an even balance, like unique, continue developing these high school players, but also like, Hey, if you need someone to stick and plug, go grab, you know, be like kind of what SMU kind of first started. Like, Hey, we're the home of like these, you know, Hey, DFW players. So do you hate playing up in Wisconsin like the north where it's like cold all the time come come down here come back home to texas like you know where all your family can see you play it i mean smu kind of started it and i think that's that's the model you kind of have to go with like continue building that high school where you know continue recruiting casket players but don't but also keep bringing in those you know former power five players or high-end g5 players i mean we saw like this year, you know, Ishmael Mahdi and jo- Joey Holbert, they all came from like FCS schools, like Houston Christian and uh, Utah Tech. And even like, hell, our entire offensive line was from Incarnate Word. I think that's the reason like we're not talked about it as bad is because, well, our offensive line kind of played with each other. I mean, mm. that's really hard to like. So it's, it you got to keep this balance of like, hey, continue, bring these high school recruits in, but also, hey, hey, a former Texas high school player that's like playing out of state, come back home to Texas where your family can see you. Like you have a home here and like, Hey, all your family. Cause when you talk to all those out of state recruits, you could see like in their face, how happy they are. Like, Hey, my mom doesn't can only, my mom no longer has to make like, you know, one home home trip to like, Oh, Washington state or, or a Virginia and all that stuff. They can all watch all my home games, which is like, you know, yeah. a two, Four hour drive is not as bad as like going on a flight, going on a flight or watching from like on ESPN Plus or the main channel. Well, hold on a second. ESPN Plus has been pretty nice okay, to well, us it, over here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I hear you. Here, there's a difference. Um, oh, I got something real quick, Zim. A year ago from Monday, Jake Spavadol was fired as the head coach, which means a year ago next week, I think on Wednesday, GJ Kinney would be hired for the first time, which also coincides with Squaring Around's anniversary. Uh, that's pretty much the impetus of this entire podcast. It's great that you guys are talking about recruiting because if I set it up so perfectly with this Golden Bachelor talk, something I want Colton to address, though, because I saw it again last week was uh, who's that five star, four star out of San Marcos High with the LSU offer? Oh, Ori. Uh, Ori, yeah. Yeah, Ori Williams. Again yeah. last week. And that's been kind of like the back end, like flirtatious talk going on. He's been at, like basically every home game Texas State has. You think there's a realistic way Texas State could keep homegrown talent? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, we, if you look at San Marcos, like just across the board athletically, I and mean, there's a lot of San Marcos high school players like, that are playing right now, making major contributions. I mean, if we start for the volleyball, Maggie Walsh, like, you know, the daughter of head coach John Walsh, she's making a major contribution to, to this volleyball team. Go to basketball, Kaden Gums, the freshman out of San Marcos high school led to 
you know, led the Rattlers to, you know, one of the best seasons in program history. He is making a major contribution to the team. And there's also uh, Ken Webb. Um, hasn't made a big impact, but, like, still, like, it's still a pipeline for, like, high school players looking at Texas State. Like, hey, you know, we can go places, but, like, there's at least we can at least have a home here. I would like to add something to this. I think that it's so corny when uh... – like when, when a college only focuses on like the high school that's in their backyard to a detriment of their programs. But the problem is now is that San Marcos has been good at sports. Like they legitimately have built a good football program and they have good athletes across the board. So now it's like, to me, I feel it's less of like a glaring issue, but I remember like in 2016, people were like, why is this, uh, why aren't more San Marcos high school players coming to Texas? State? I was like, would you want to go to the college that's in your hometown? Probably not. You know, you want to go out and do other things. But now they finally have athletes that are good enough that I'm like, no, go go recruit those guys. It's in your backyard. Go get them. I hope we flip that. That'd be kind of cool to get a four-star. It'd be kind of kind of interesting, too, to see where the whole Take Back Texas thing goes in year two, you know, because their whole first thing was like, okay, let's get guys back on the rebound who want to come back to Texas, who are, you know. And so now, like, fostering this homegrown talent thing, maybe – they just hit Texas schools this year. Maybe they just, I don't know. I don't know what their deal is, but it'll be really cool to see year one versus year two, like how those classes stack up. I mean, if you look at the high schools for year two, year two I think it's like third out of the 14 commits, like 13 are all like Texas, Texas high school players. I think the one uh, lone out-of-state person is like from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Ironically, that's where Spavidal went to went to high school and all of that stuff. Yes. That's funny. Just a weird quinky dink. I think I had like no life for like two days and I just looked up like where the coaching staff had traveled over the course of like, I don't know, three days or something. And it was like 60 something schools. Like these yeah. guys are very aggressive and very fast and very he strategic. Got bored. He got bored trying to break into the bank accounts of these guys to find out how much money they have. Yep. Bag so, watching Jacob, bro. Mm-hmm. And I was telling chat GPT that heck in there, all their stuff. <laughs> but yeah. Here with the, the banking routing numbers. One, two, three. Nope. One, one, two, three. Nope. Um, volleyball, then we can wrap it up. Yeah. What is your prediction here, Colton? Do we win I a mean, game? This is, this I is think... my penance for not covering this team, Colton. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta cover this team with us right now. What, okay. what have we missed and what is, is to come really? All right. So uh, let's start from the, uh, I'll start from the very, I'll give you like a brief recap of like this entire season. Uh, a lot of people really didn't outside of San Marcos really didn't think this team was going to compete for a conference championship because they lost like your all-time leader in kills, you know, Fitzgerald. You lost your all-time leader in assists, Emily DeWall. And this was the team, this was basically the senior class. I kind of put, you can make an army. They put Texas state on the map. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, well, obviously Texas state's going to take a step back this year, but no, surprisingly, Coach Hewitt, very, very, very good coach. Like, he got, like... Surprisingly, Coach Hewitt, <laughs> good coach. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Coach Hewitt, man. <laughs> so funny. Oh. Shocking to everyone. He's a good coach. Who would have thought? No, but, yeah, I think a lot of people, like, overlooked this volleyball team. And, you know, one of the biggest wins of the season was, like, they swept Houston, who, by the way, made the NCAA tournament a big, you know, newcomer to the Big 12. They swept them on their home court. Like, it wasn't even a contest. They went in. Uh, they had dealt with, with some injuries. You know, got to kind of mess, kind of, kind of like the gel of the team. But once everyone kind of got back, they went on a roll. I think 
They lost in Louisiana and just ripped off like a seven-game winning streak. I mean, they swept swept South Alabama in a doubleheader, swept Troy in a doubleheader, which, by the way, before the Louisiana loss, they were currently like undefeated in some belt play. So basically everyone thought Troy and South Alabama were going to be kind of like the the new ring leaders of the Sun Belt West Division. And Texas State's like, yeah, no, and ripped off all the like those seven straight wins to wrap up, you know, their seventh straight Sun Belt West Division title. Going to the Sun Belt tournament, um, you know, didn't have any problems. And then they got into the semifinal, which when you were following the Sun Belt volleyball season, there was obviously like four top teams. James Madison and Coastal Carolina in the East, and then us, South Alabama in the West. Those were the clear-cut, like, ringleaders. Uh, had a very hard-fought game with James Madison. Maybe one of the best volleyball games I've seen. And, you know, when you get into, like, those semifinal rounds and championship rounds with Texas State, and they're playing either Coastal and South Alabama, the the quality of the volleyball is, like, like S. we're talking about S-tier. Yeah. Um, fell in five sets against James Madison. And there was a lot of worry, like, okay, is this team going to make at least have a shot at the tournament? I was watching the selection show, and to my shock, you know, South Alabama, Coastal, James Madison all made the tournament. So it was like, well, obviously Texas State's got to make the tournament. But considering how they were kind of snubbed last year, it was kind of like, um, are they going to make it? We don't know. But fortunately for them, they hadn't announced the Austin Regional, which for people who follow Texas State volleyball, if – if there's one place you can guarantee they're going to go, it's going to go to the Austin Regional. So Austin Regional uh, pops up. Sure enough, Texas State heading to going in first at large bid for this program in program history. Like that is a significant accomplishment. And there they drew a SMU, which is the winners of the American Athletic. Obviously, this is going to be a very tough matchup, but it's not an unbeatable team. This is a this is a team that they this is a team that Texas State could ease it could like. Uh, get that first round win in events of the second round. The problem is like you're if they want to get to their next level, which is the Sweet 16, you got to play the defending national champions in Texas in their home court, which is that's not an easy task to do. But you know, with a fan base this that was, absolutely shows out every single time. But considering that a lot of people thought this was going to be the rebuild year, year, you know, turns out no, this was the reloading year. Like we're just gonna cool. All of our senior class, like now, we got like replacements, and you know, they built their own identity. I mean, their motto this year was "Leave No Doubt," and they absolutely did leave no doubt. Like they were, they were worthy enough to go to the tournament. So they've got a really good shot at winning their first round game. That second round game, that's going to be a really interesting game. They don't especially win the first round game all that often. Hmm? That first round game, they don't win all that often. I mean, they've won two since. <clears throat> In the in the previous Say years, Say I mean, since who left? No, Coach Hewitt actually won his, won his first. That's what I'm saying. I said this, and I got so much heat. I like Chisholm. Hewitt has been very good. He has been excellent. He has taken a very good program and elevated them to like that next level. If oh, he yeah, beats, no, most if he beats yeah. Texas. We're going to have some serious conversations. We're going to start talking about only volleyball in this show now is what we have to start doing. We're going to, no, I'm talking, I'm talking me and the hashtag allies are going to have some serious conversation about Texas State volleyball and the hierarchy of uh, all-time coaches. Because if, if Hewitt beats Texas, the defending national champions Mm -hmm. on their home floor. Now, again, this is all wishful thinking at this point. 
You might get the uh, hammer and chisel and start chiseling your face on that coaching route, Mush, Mount Rushmore for women's sports at Texas State. Which the is same. why you got to start building the the statues when you can, because the <laughs> next guy up, baby, is always better. I don't know, you know. Just Colton, you you know what I'm saying here. Yeah, like if if Coach Hewitt beats the the defending national champions, like in Texas, like we might start. Ha- those conversations might have to start happening. Yeah. Jacob might have to submit another committee, FOIA request the, to figure out how much he's getting paid again. The Women's Athletics of Texas State Committee, which I am the head of, will have some conversations. That's all I'm going to say. And can we just talk about like how women's sports like has been like carrying the torch for Texas State? I mean, in this year alone, we've had yes. Yes. a women's basketball like win a conference championship. Softball went to the NCAA, won a game – and then hold now on, got, hold on, hold on, oh, hold on. Okay, okay. Won the regular season. Yeah, won the no, won the regular season. Yeah, it's not the same thing. You win the regular season, you don't get to go to the national tournament. You win the conference. Bring me a banner from the conference okay. championship. That's all. I'm I mean, say. they did technically bring a banner banner to Strahan technically this year. So a second place one, runner up, cool. Coach Coach Z and Coach Love know that my heart's in the right spot, but I'm of the opinion that, you know, bragging rights for the regular season is very cool. Win the conference championship. Go to the national tournament. Win a game in the national tournament. That's all I'm asking. Just once. Like, mm-hmm. go in, win one. That's all. Or the Sam Belt needs to get a lot better, and we need to become a basketball conference and get an at-large bid because Texas State would have gotten – what three at large bids at this point, if all things were being equal, the amount of times we've been runners up. So, yes. All right. Yeah. It's actually wild to think like, you know, the how good the Sunbelt's gotten in like all, like, I mean, the Sunbelt sent like four volleyball teams to the NCAA tournament that besides the power five teams, nobody else is doing that. And you saw that with baseball and softball. I mean, it's clear that the Sunbelt is obviously becoming that next, maybe like, the whack before it kind of got exploded into that 16 teams in 1996 and then kind of everything kind of felt felt the crap. The only thing that the sub has never got good at is basketball, which I think that's the next step. Like they need to start investing like, hey, get and, these basketball programs. Even like, then, Georgia State was good. Georgia State won some games at the tournament. So, yeah, yeah I, I hear what you're saying. Who uh, do you think, because we got to go, but do you, do you think anybody gets poached from the Sun Belt? If if no. Florida State and Clemson leave, do you you don't think that any of those Sun Belt teams become obvious ACC options? Because right now everything is so good that I'm like App State, JMU, Georgia Southern, you know all these schools. I, it runs through my head sometimes that I'm like Marshall, obvious choices for a conference like the ACC that needs to like you know grab some people, especially if Clemson, Florida State leaves. Does that run through your mind at all? Well, here, I guess here's my hot take. I don't think the ACC exists like once Florida State and Clemson like leave. I think everyone kind of looks around and be like, okay, we're jumping, we're jumping ship to either the SEC or the Big Ten. I think it basically the ACC kind of packed. So we become the we we actually get the alliance, the yeah, alliance we, we, football league. Okay, yeah, gotcha. But Thank like, you, yeah, yeah. I was I was looking this up too because our last. Uh, NCAA appearance for volleyball was 2020, that COVID shortened year. It was in the Omaha regional. And I think Colton, myself, and Claire were all at the last Austin regional. And that happened in 2018. Texas State was selected. And correct me if I'm wrong, Colton, but we lost to Rice first. And then we lost to UT in that order. And so that was No, like, we, we, beat, we beat Rice and then they lost Rice. to UT. 
Yeah, that was our first win in yeah, like was... 20 something years, oh, right? Okay. Yeah. No, well, it was the first ever. Like three first win ever, right? Yeah. And then in 20, that 2020 year, which was, which I didn't even realize, apparently they they played the regular season, then the NCAA tournament started in spring. Yeah. And then they got their second win over, I think it was like either Cal Poly or Cal Davis, and then they lost to Nebraska and all of that stuff. Tough. Didn't the, Nebraska is the same school that like filled their like football stadium with like yes volleyball? Yes. Like they they take their volleyball very seriously. Yeah, they're like a huge freaking volleyball school. Which I, I'm saying if lame if, lame te- take. if Texas State why that's not a lame take that's fucking history that happened. No, here's the thing: the reason they did that is because they have nothing to cheer for over there. Like, <laughs> it's, they they've got a good they've got a good Nebraska program, but like don't get it twisted; those people are sick in the head. Matt like, Rule Going this on? is what no i'm serious like they need to be they 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 are so they're so wrapped up in being like small potatoes and, like here's here's the thing and this is a this is a fun fact for you guys you know who coined the phrase flyover states was a midwesterner like a midwesterner was shitting on east coast people being like oh they just look at us as flyover states honestly east coast people don't think about flyover states we don't think about the midwest uh but they are so like we need to be in the national conversation we need to be like talked about we need the attention we need the spotlight they're so greedy that they're willing to do this now granted it was really cool for those women but don't get it twisted those people are sick in the head they they, that's what it is they're they are ego they want the spotlight it's not that they love women's sports i wish it was the case but i'm telling you it's not ego driven i like it they are Whereas, like, when Texas State shows up for our female athletes, our women athletes. Well, because we because like that we team. genuinely like the teams. Yeah. We think Coach Hewitt is the best coach in America. Might be the best coach at Texas State. Might be the best coach at Texas State. Big check mark next to his name this year. Sweet. Well, thanks for, thanks for joining us, Colton. Thanks for watching us, everybody. Subscribe to us on Apple, uh, on Spotify, on YouTube, at Squaring Around. Hit us up. We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. Better not come any closer. Thanks for listening. New episodes out every Thursday. Follow the boys on Twitter. Eat them up. Eat them up.